Support for this episode of 9 to Thrive HR is brought to you by CGS Enterprise Learning. CGS Enterprise Learning is an award-winning provider of custom professional development solutions. As the learning provider of choice for many of the world's most admired companies, CGS Enterprise Learning knows that there's not a one-size-fits-all approach to crafting a successful L&D strategy. Hello, everyone. Thanks so much for joining us on another episode of 9 to Thrive HR, a podcast produced by the Human Capital Institute, where we discuss some of the most pressing issues facing talent management today. We help surface ideas and solutions to those problems by speaking to experts and practitioners in the field. My name is Andrew Bateman. I'm your host for today. Joining me is Dr. Greg Ketchum, Principal at Talent Planet. Dr. Greg, thanks for joining us. You're welcome, Andrew. It's good to be here. So it's always good to talk with you. I think this is something that uh, we've spent a, a fair amount of time over the last couple of years discussing these types of topics. So uh, to sort of uh, uh, eliminate the problem of uh, having people look up the archive of podcasts that, that we've done in the past, could you give us a little bit of an elevator pitch about sort of <laughs> what you do and sort of where you stand in the field of uh, of uh, digital content creation and, and uh, digital learning? I think that would be a great place sure. to start. Thanks, Andrew. Yeah, I uh, I uh, do. Uh, I'm an organizational consultant. I do executive coaching and team building. I have a background in the media, uh, having hosted um, a talk show on CNN and XM satellite radios on the workplace and careers. So I I myself create a series of podcasts uh, called Coach on Demand that uh, we license to organizations, and I use those as part of my coaching work. So it's a it's a blended approach that um, that I bring to the workplace. So that's just the, uh, that's a 90,000 foot view of me, Andrew. <laughs> Excellent. So hopefully we'll be able to start, uh, you know, spiraling down and doing a tailspin and get a closer in-depth view uh, <laughs> before we crash and burn. Uh, are there any rules of thumb when it comes to uh, to crowdsourcing content? I know that we see in the world today this uh, this approach to uh, having uh, a lot of the the content in organizations created in house, and and uh, L and D departments may have been sort of uh, scaled back a little bit, and in their place have bubbled up sort of the idea that uh, learning content can come from anywhere. So. How do we manage that? Is there anything that you would recommend when it comes to uh, to bringing in, uh, you know, uh, ideas from throughout the organization, and h- how do you sort of manage that and, and scale it? Yeah, that's a, that's a great question, Andrew. And I I think to me the most important thing is you want to uh, have a homegrown um, set of guidelines. So I think the first thing is you get a cross sectional group of of uh, employees and leaders together to make some decisions about how crowdsourcing, um, you know, how you're going to go about crowdsourcing and what your policy guidelines to be. And to me, that's that's the most important step, first step. And that uh, that sort of uh, internal panel or, or steering committee, so to speak, what, who, who are the folks that might, might sit on that? Well, like you said, you get uh, a cross-section of folks from the organization from, you know, you'd want somebody from each function. Uh, you want some people who are in uh, top leadership uh, roles, and in effect, what you're doing is you're crowdsourcing the gui- the creation of your guidelines. So you're you're doing what you're you're advocating, putting a policy together for. And this can be uh, this doesn't have to be a, a, a standing organ a standing group. You can bring them together just for this purpose, like a pop up team. And once you get your guidelines set, then people go on their way. 
And so that's the type of thing where you're going to uh, get uh, buy-in from the different stakeholders. Obviously, you're probably going to want to listen to what's needed, right? You have to figure out from the learning audience what is it, what is it that, that they need to know. There's an element kind of of uh, of um, you know not necessarily knowledge transfer, but uh, you know an inventory of what do we have, where does it live, uh, those types of questions. Right. That need to be answered, um, and, right? And I think you're right. A, a committee to sort of set those standards uh, is a great way to to, to start off. Um, and and presumably, there's going to be folks that are like the the subject matter experts within each field that are going to be sort of uh, brought in to to help lead the charge. I imagine. Yeah, that's right. And and you know there there are a number of questions that you have to explore in a group like that. First is you know when you talk about crowdsourcing. What are we really talking about? Are we talking about crowdsourcing entirely from within the enterprise, or are we talking about uh, also outside? Do you include customers or vendors? Uh, you have to look at crowdsourcing and how it fits into your culture. And something you just mentioned there is how does it fit with what you already are doing with learning and development, and how can you leverage what you already have so you don't want to recreate the, the wheel and then, you know, what are your goals for crowdsourcing? Uh, and then finally, you know, you really have to get the top leaders of the organization on board um, and using crowdsourcing and being willing to um, accept information that comes through crowdsourcing and use it within the organization. So those are some of the kinds of questions that you'd be looking at in a group like that. Now that there are benefits too, right? I, I think if you are enabling the employee voice uh, to have an audience, that that there's probably a, a ripple effect of uh, sort of engagement and doing meaningful work and contributing to the larger organizational vision that kind of uh, comes from that. That you're engendering sort of a, a participatory uh, mindset from your workforce if you're sort of opening up the floodgates. So. I know that that all sounds like uh, peaches and cream. Is there any risk to that? Do you do you risk uh, um, alienating people that might not be vocal or or um, you know maybe empowering too many people, the loudest voice in the room type of uh, mentality? Well, I you know those are those are great questions, Andrew, and I think there's there's always a risk when you when you uh, pilot something new, and I think that's um, you know I'm not really sure about that. I think you'd have to have uh, in your guidelines that you put together, you'd have to think about things like that. You know, how you handle those situations if and when they come up. That would be my thought about it. Yeah, I, and I think so too. I'm, I'm probably just in my nature one that looks at all the different uh, angles and uh, takes that contrarian point of view that sometimes can be a buzzkill. <laughs> <laughs> yes, Andrew. <laughs> I, that's how I think of you, the old buzz killer. <laughs> well, I'm sorry. I apologize uh, for that. Hopefully, I can. <laughs> no, it's okay. I just take it on a roller coaster ride. I'll, I'll, I'll build us back up here in this next, uh, in this next segment. Uh, <laughs> Thank you. Thank yes, you. no problem. So, uh, what we're doing right now, right, is a subject matter expert interview, um, and a lot of what HCI produces right, right. Is, is hinges on that. Um, a lot of what we're talking about, this crowdsourcing mentality. These are uh, these are um, essentially leveraging internal or external subject matter experts to help sort of uh, bring their uh, experience to bear in the form of a podcast, uh, as as what you've done uh, and and what we're doing right now. 
Um, what's the value there? What do the the folks listening today to our podcast? What are they What are they learning? What are some of the takeaways, um, just in general terms, uh, from from participating in a subject matter expert uh, interview or listening to one? I should say. Well, uh, you know, in terms of what they can learn from you and I, Andrew, I'm not sure there's much there. <laughs> That's a joke. That's a joke. Uh, actually, you know, you can learn a lot from listening to subject matter expert interviews, especially, you know, how other people have handled situations that you might be facing. You can also learn about mistakes other people's, uh, people have made and, and what they learned from them. And at the same time, you know, Andrew, you know, you just can't take what an expert says and do it step by step and expect to get the same exact results. Learning, as you know, is all about taking what you can from other people's experiences, giving a, a critical think through about how what you're learning applies not only to your situation, but to who you are as a person. And then you've got to ask yourself some questions when thinking about applying what you've learned from listening to a subject matter interview, for example, like what can I take from this and apply to my own situation? Uh, what fits for me as a person, what I just learned and what doesn't? And what challenges do I foresee might come up in applying what I've learned. So it's that, uh, you know, reflect and apply. You take what you've learned, you reflect on it, and you apply it to your own situation. So more and more uh, people are focused on creating video content, uh, you know, digital content. Um, Essentially, homegrown media producers are sort of, uh, uh, it's part of the job description for an L&D department these days. And uh, what we've been talking about, crowdsourcing content, uh, leveraging subject matter experts to help do that. There's an element of sort of, uh, you know, um, director, uh, you know, coaching and, and being kind of a, um, you know, getting an acting coach in some respects. So do you have any advice for how to get people to open up more and, and be more real and, and bring their authentic selves to that sort of interview setting? Well, yeah. Um, you know, I, to me, the most important thing is to uh, be yourself and be comfortable with yourself. You've got to, you know, I, I do this a lot in my coaching work. So um, you get yourself centered. And um, that is, you know, a lot of times we can be stuck in our heads and there might be uh, sort of this uh, merry-go-round of uh, anxieties or uncertainties before walking into an interview situation like that. And you've got to get out of your head. So you've got to, I I do this with my coaches, imagine a a point down in your, around your navel, your gut, kind of put your awareness down there, breathe, take some, some deep breaths and ask yourself some questions like, what do I truly believe about this topic that we're going to talk about here? Instead of, you know, what's, what's the right answer? Uh, What's the good answer? Uh, you know, ask yourself, you know, how would I actually handle situations? So it's really about getting out of your head, putting your awareness down in your in your gut and asking yourself some honest questions before you go in. And that is to that is what we talk about in terms of getting yourself centered. And so that to me and comfortable with yourself. And if you're if you're comfortable with yourself and speaking from what you truly believe then that automatically gives you confidence and that's going to come across. That's just great advice for anybody uh, in a conversation setting, I think. Uh, not 
not just yeah. uh, not just in an interview setting. That's that's a good good management advice. Uh, definitely. I, for me personally, one of the things that I've always tried to do is uh, talk through the sort of content with someone um, in a in a sort of prep session. Even do like a practice interview uh, as a way to get them at more at ease with the with the content. One of the things I avoid doing is uh, sending the questions well in advance and giving them too much time to prepare for it because I think uh, the tendency, like you mentioned, is for someone to try to get the right answer to these questions. And in many respects, something like what we're doing today, there isn't a right answer. It's uh, the conversation itself is is what's important. Right. All right. It's just be yourself. And, you know, that sounds so simple, Andrew, but it can be it's a, to me, it's a lifelong process of uncovering that. And so the more times you dip in, get yourself centered, ask yourself those, those kinds of centering questions and breathe, the, the more and more of yourself that you find and get comfortable with. And then the more folks are able to respond to that, obviously, I think people will recognize here's somebody that's real. You know, that's what I appreciate Absolutely. about them is that they're bringing their, their real self and I feel like I can – uh, speak with them. And that, that lends itself to credibility in, in the interview setting, right? And, and that authenticity kind of comes through. Without a doubt. Without a doubt. So you being in uh, in the Bay Area and spending uh, a lot of your career around the development of a lot of these successful tech companies, uh, you know, Facebook, Google, Netflix, um, what have you, are We've seen this a lot at HCI, right? They're often used as examples. You know, we talk about Uber as, and you know, this is the the gig economy showing its uh, uh, face in the workplace, um, or or um, you know, Amazon sort of uh, redefining what it means to uh, uh, to buy anything. Um, so we often use these examples from Silicon Valley as a sort of ideal state. Um, for HR and for organizational design. Is there anything that you might share uh, from the playbook of successful tech companies as, as it relates to designing learning experiences? Is there something there from either the, uh, the learning design perspective or the learner's uh, experience that, that we might sort of uh, uh, examine a little bit? Well, you know, that's a great question, Andrew. And, and one of my favorite, favorite, uh, techniques that uh, Google uses is they have uh, employees teach classes. I mean, employees that want to do that uh, teach classes. And when they do that, it, it makes learning part of the way employees work together rather than something HR is making them do. And that's a, that's a quote from Karen May, who's head of people operations at Google. And so I, I just love that idea. If you, you know, there's um there's a book called Search Inside Yourself, and that was created by a Google employee as a class about exactly what we were talking about a little while ago about getting yourself centered. So it was created, a class was created, and it was so successful that uh, the individual wrote a book called Search Inside Yourself, and now that has spun off to be an entirely different company. So I think you're uh, tagging or taking the expertise of your employees, having them share that with other employees, which has, aside from the subject matter stuff you're learning right there, that's great, you know, team building and relationship building 
So to me, that's just uh, that's a win-win, a great thing. Yeah, I'm glad that you mentioned that search inside yourself. That was something uh, I had an opportunity to speak with someone from that organization uh, at the employee engagement conference this uh, past summer in Denver. And it was really telling uh, the story he told, talking about how uh, this was the type of thing which was a, um, it was uh, once they had sort of broken off into being their own company, they continued to teach at uh, at Google um, uh, for free until eventually Google was like, okay, our, our folks really need this. This is something that we're seeing a tremendous amount of, uh, of adoption and value uh, from the lessons that you're teaching. It's really mm-hmm. t- took hold as a, as a cultural uh, touchstone for, for the organization. And I think that you're right, that, that transparency, that buy-in that you get from the employee base as to helping foster the learning culture is something that uh, you really you really can't quantify how how important that is in terms of uh, creating that um, that learning uh, that learning organization. Absolutely, I love it. Do you think um, you know? We talked a lot about the webcast a few weeks ago uh, about technology and and using technology to help uh, uh, with coaching and and uh, what we talked about with the podcast and the ability to sort of uh, train in some of the leadership competencies. Do you find that technology enables more opportunities for coaching or does it kind of risk losing its potency if we're going through sort of an artifice of, of technology? Well, that's a great question again, Andrew. By the way, who put these questions together? Whoever was, that's a genius. These are great questions. It was a, it was an <laughs> algorithm. And, uh, <laughs> okay. I'll, I'll buy that. Uh, well, you know, in my experience, uh, Andrew, it, it does both, or it has the potential to uh, both enable more opportunities and to uh, risk losing some of its potency. Uh, you know, in my experience, the best coaching always includes that personal touch, that interaction in real time with the coach. Now, that, that may be in person or on the phone or in a video conference, but I firmly believe that the interpersonal interaction itself outside of any tools or insights that you might use or find provides a good portion of what makes coaching successful. Now, on the other hand, uh, you know, myself, I uh, have created a series of podcasts and I use those as a part of the coaching. So it's technology enabled, kind of a blended approach. Um, But we also need to talk about what we mean by coaching. If we're talking about learning a new skill that's relatively uncomplicated, uh, that doesn't require a lot of digging into yourself through self-reflection, then technology does enable more opportunities. Um, uh, however, if you're looking for a transformation of some sort, not just skill development, for example, developing greater levels of emotional intelligence, then that human interaction really is indispensable. So it's, it's both. It could, it could add to it and it can take away the potency. It just is like everything else. It depends on how you use it. But I, I myself welcome technology as an aid, not as a replacement for the, the human element in coaching. I, I, I love that answer. And I think that, uh, that it goes back to a lot of what we started off with today when we talked about setting sort of a standard uh, uh, through, uh, through the committee or, or through listening to the different stakeholders that I think if you take the time to uh, play through all the different scenarios in which you might be using technology or, or uh, supplementing technology with uh, 
real-time, you know, interpersonal interactions and informal learning context that you're, that you're able to deliver something that's much more baked into the process of what it means to be an employee at work rather than, you know, hey, visit this, yeah. uh, visit this link uh, and report back to me once you've learned how to be, you know, uh, yeah. better at giving and receiving feedback. So I think these are, these are great yep, lessons. Exactly. For, for everybody, and, and uh, I really want to thank you for the time uh, that you've taken to talk with uh, with me today and, and share all of this with our HCI audience. It's been a pleasure, Dr. Greg, as usual. Uh, uh, great, uh, great fun, Andrew. Always wonderful to, to work with you. Thanks for inviting me. My pleasure. And uh, we would also like to thank each and every one of you for tuning in and encourage you to subscribe to this podcast if you've enjoyed what you've heard today. You can find us on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher Smart Radio, and on the YouTube channel HCI Talent. A big thank you to CGS Enterprise Learning. Without their generous support, HCI wouldn't be able to deliver great content like this. And if you're interested in learning more about what we've discussed in today's episode, you can find resources at hci.org. For 9 to Thrive HR and all of HCI, I'm Andrew Bateman.